720 WGN High atop Chicago in the Skyline studio and excited to have on the line one of our favorite people when it comes to food and just in general. He's a barbecue hall of famer, author, restaurateur, spoke chef for the great uh, National Turkey Federation. You've seen him all the time on Food Network and of course at his restaurant in St. Petersburg, Dr. Barbecues. It is the one and only Ray Lampy, Chicago's very own. Welcome to WGN. Hey, Dean. Good to hear you. It's always nice to talk to my friends in Chicago. I, I makes me feel like I'm at home. Well, the Dr. Barbecue bat signal is out. When it comes to some of these holidays, of course, here in Chicago, you know this. And, of course, in your own backyard, you're grilling 24-7 every day, right? But when those holidays happen, whether it's like Fourth of July, Labor Day, some of those traditional holidays where people get out in the backyard, it's Labor Day. So the Dr. Barbecue bat signal is out. Do you feel, as people wonder this, do you feel any extra pressure to come up with something great on a day like today? Of course, yes, you got to. I mean, it's it's what you know. It's one of the three big deal grilling barbecue days of the year. So, yes, of course, Labor Day. However, it's easy to go to. The nice thing about barbecue is you can go to these old favorites and still be something special. You know, you can you can make you can always make ribs or burgers, and and you can't go wrong. And just change them up a little bit. Make a pork burger. Make a turkey burger. Make a, a barbecue ribs. Put something different on them today. You know, if you usually put uh, sugar and brown sugar, let's put peach preserves on them today. You know, do something a little special, but you can use those old favorites anyway. You think about the uh, opportunities to go ahead and kind of mix it up a little bit. Is that what people are looking for? Because whether it's all the stuff that you've done on Food Network, all the recipes, all the books, some of the basics that are out there in that team photo of normal greatness, whether it's the brisket and the ribs. And of course, we'll talk a little bit about the turkey, but people are kind of upscaling on the flavor side. Well, you know, and while I talk, I talk a good game about making the classic. I, yes, I'm all for trying something different too. And of course, you know, I work at the Turkey Federation, but what's, what's happened is over the last three years, we have built out a really good recipe site at turkeysmoke.org. I've been doing the recipes. I just did a red Thai curry grilled turkey recipe. So if that's not exotic enough for you, I don't know what is, but it's a great alternative, you know, to do something a little different. Take some grilled turkey, throw it in a red Thai curry. Man, that's good eating and you're still barbecuing. When you mention turkey and the Turkey Federation, for a lot of people, when it comes to that, they think about turkey as maybe the hardest working kind of member of the family on Thanksgiving on Liberty. But you, when it comes to turkey, like it has been there the whole time. Your relationship with barbecue, obviously in the Hall of Fame at this point, but turkey was really where it all started. It really is my first trophy, and it's the only trophy that survived in my office from 1991 was for a turkey I cooked. At my first KCBS event, you know, turkey is solid in the barbecue world. It's, it's on just about every menu at every restaurant. We kind of forget about it because it's good and everybody knows that if you're in a mood for it. We don't, it doesn't get all the sexy press that brisket and pork and stuff do, but it's a solid menu item. I got to tell you, I just did this thing, turkeysmoke.org and the Illinois Soybean Association, good friends of WGN sponsored us to go on a barbecue turkey tour of Illinois. So I'm going to tell you quick the places we went. Beastcraft Barbecue. If you haven't been there yet, you got to go to this place. Chef David Sandusky down there, and right outside of St. Louis, he's in Belleville, the one we went to. He's got a couple of them. He's killing it, doing it really sort of a modern take on, on barbecue with all the regular stuff. We, he made a turkey sandwich, the best turkey sandwich I've ever eaten. It was like a grilled melt. Wow. He had this whole obsession about how you melt the cheese, and, and it had bacon jam on it. I mean, it was crazy good. That was the best thing I ate all week. 
And then we went over to uh, 17th Street Barbecue in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I mean, talk about hallowed ground right. to a barbecue person. I'd never been there either. Mike Mills was a good friend of mine, but I never made it to Murfreesboro until now. Mike has passed, and, and his daughter Amy is running the show down there. But And they're serving some good turkey. And now Amy's got a new little cutesy little coffee shop restaurant and she's taking smoked turkey from the restaurant and making a sandwich over there man if you haven't been there go because it was it was tear jerking for me to go there having never been when mike was there and and then we went to q barbecue which i know they've got a few around chicago we went to the one in lagrange my old neighborhood solid barbecue in a very consistent organized kind of place Really nice place. Uh, I would never skip that either. Next up, Green Street Smoked Meats, right nice. down on Randolph Street or right off of Randolph Street. Oh, man, I love that place. We modeled our restaurant after it. I hadn't been in a few years, and they, it hasn't changed a bit. Those guys are doing such a great job there. If you haven't been to Green Street, go there and just spend the, spend the whole day. And last but not least, we went to Sweet Baby Ray's. There's still a restaurant, Dave and, and Larry and, and Deuce, who's the nephew to run and everything these days. They've got a big catering company out there, and they sold the barbecue sauce, but they maintain the, the restaurant, the Sweet Baby Ray's restaurant in Wooddale. And, and it's such a treat to go there. I mean, you know, talk about hollowed ground in Chicago. And Deuce, the nephew out there, he's killing it. He's doing a great job. It was fun to hang with him. And then we ended our trip at the Windy City Smokeout, of yes. all things, which can't get any bigger than that. What a treat that was. It was my first visit there. Um, and I'm telling you, I've never been. And, and to go now, it's right by the United Center. You know, you, there's the Bob. I had to point out to my friend, oh, there's a Bobby Hull statue. You know, I mean, how cool is that for a Chicago guy coming back through? And, and we had three of the. Three of the pitmasters out there were, were featuring a turkey dish. And Leslie from Leslie Rourke from U-Bonds was making those turkey wings where she smoked yep. them and then hit them with a the flamethrower. And if you've ever seen Leslie, she's about a five-footer girl from uh, from Mississippi. And she's got a flamethrower, and she's blasting these wings. It's really very funny. And Sam Jones, of all people, known for cooking whole hogs, was, was cooking turkey out there as well. And Leroy and Lewis from Texas. So it was Man, we had a fun week of the Illinois barbecue tour, and of course, we ate turkey in every one of the places, and it wasn't hard to do. What what a tour, though, right? A great tour for the taste buds. Of course, we talk about great road trip destinations, and oftentimes that food side is built into that on a regular basis when it comes to Windy City Smokeout. Yeah, we had you guys in studio during that, and that brings some of the best pitmasters from around the country right here to Chicago. Ray, as you travel the country, of course, known for, you know, you're in St. Pete, and of course, on television and all that stuff around the country are you surprised you feel like you know chicago maybe illinois in a greater extent is getting sort of that respect that it deserves oh yeah it was really exciting to see sitting there with uh, charlie from lily's q and, and barry you know i mean that, those guys have become very famous for their restaurants in chicago and it's really cool to see that and a bunch of others uh yeah it, it does make me feel good but i can i'll tell you this though dane there's more members of the barbecue hall of fame from illinois than any other state, and I think that's pretty cool. Wow. So, All so. Right. We're going to talk about it. You know, a lot of things happen in Illinois, but uh, tailgating is one of those kind of religions that happens here in Chicago for the Bears. One of the things you think about, it's sort of sad, right? It's the end of summer, it's Labor Day, but then you start that football season, that tailgate season, and we're going to come back uh, with Ray in just a minute to talk a little bit about that and some great ways to build turkey into your tailgate and enjoy it as well. So keep it here. It's Dane on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, we are back live here on Labor Day with one of our great friends, Ray 
Dr. Barbecue Lampy, of course, Barbecue Hall of Famer, author. You think of him for that all that television work and, of course, his great restaurant down in St. Pete. But he is Chicago's very own and spent uh, a few time. He paid his dues, definitely, in the parking lot of Soldier Field, tailgating in a bunch of ways as people contemplate what it is they're going to do before that big game all over the listening area for WGN. So, Ray, welcome back, number one. And number two, it's football season. You know, optimism springs eternal for the Mighty Bears. Oh, they're looking good. I'm very excited this year, Dane. This is the year. <laughs> starting to, you know, it's starting to feel like a Cub fan being a Bears fan. But I don't know. This one, this looks different this year. I'm pretty excited. We've talked about it a bunch of times with different personalities, and unfortunately, over the last handful of years, and maybe more than we'd like to admit, the best part of the Bears game is the tailgate, right? Because you can always <laughs> win the tailgate. So, talk a little bit about some of the ways that you've got that game plan, right, for that great tailgate. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I tailgated, gosh, for probably 25 years at Soldier Field back in the day when we could set up right next to the stadium that's now the high dollar fancy lot. If you were to get there early enough, you could park right there back in the day. And we did all the time. Man, we had some fun. I'll never forget the two games leading up to the Super Bowl, those two playoff games, how cold it was, but we didn't care. I think they have barrel of beer froze that one day, but <laughs> <laughs> that was the only downside to it. Uh, you know, but tailgating is the big thing I try to tell everybody always is if you're, you said, Hey, I'm cooking the tailgate meal, whether it's at your house or, or on the road or at the game, you got to get, take it seriously. Don't just phone it in. You know, don't forget about it. Plan it all week, get on it, have a little something to serve as soon as everybody gets there, maybe like a smoked fish dip or something that you could make a couple of days ahead, have some sweets, some cookies or cupcakes or something put those out right away because there's always going to be some people that want to start with dessert and that's okay. It's their tailgate too. And then make a really great middle main course. Everybody needs a full belly before they get ready for the game. So, you know, take it serious. So that's my, my biggest advice. Yeah, right. Take it serious. Prep as much as you can. Plan for it. Get out there and enjoy. And uh, you know that the best part can be, right? And of course, hopefully the Bears win, right? But other than that, you know you'll have a successful tailgate. And when it comes to the turkey side of things, like what are a couple dishes that you can do that you can bring, kind of incorporate turkey into your tailgate? Well, I have done a couple of recipes where it's actually you cook a whole turkey and then you pull it off from the bone, shred it up and mix it with whatever. You can mix it with like a gravy and then have that warm it up at the game and make turkey sandwiches, turkey tacos. You know, as you're cooking it, uh, there's some recipes at turkeysmoke.org for both of these things. You make it, you put peppers in and stuff as you're cooking it. You shred up all the meat. You do that the day before. Take it out there, warm it up, hand everybody tortillas. And man, you got turkey tacos ready to go. There's, there's all kinds of simple like make ahead or kind of things that you can do with turkey. You don't, you know, if you want to cook a whole turkey, sure, go for it. Everybody's going to enjoy that. But there's lots of other things you can do with the different cuts. Well, even turkey drumsticks, you know, who wouldn't like a pile of those for a tailgate party? That sounds good to me. <laughs> it does sound good. We'll have links for all of that, including the National Turkey Federation up at WGNRadio.com. And, Ray, as we let you go, and it's your Labor Day, too, and here you are working with us on the radio side, what are you guys going to do today? I think I'm going to grill some burgers and drink some beer. All right, keep it simple. Keep it simple. It's not broke. Don't fix it. You know, as we let you go, of course, people are going to be enjoying their Labor Day. Where can people go to get more information, whether it's great recipes for turkey or ways to enjoy things during the football season? There's always turkeysmoke.org. That's got everything, all the recipes. But we've got a new site, tailgatewithturkey.com. Check that one out. It's just what you need. The one and only Dr. Barbecue, Ray Lampy. Look forward to talking again. Enjoy your Labor Day, and we're going to talk to you, I think, during the bear season, too, and so excited for that. And, Ray, have a great rest uh, rest of your day. Thanks, Dan. Great talking to you.
Excited to have on the line one of America's biggest and most beloved food stars, authors, restaurateurs. You know her from tons on the Food Network, including Supermarket Stakeout, one of our favorite longtime judges on Chop, and of course, ultimate culinary domination as a most respected and also feared Iron Chef. Now back, taking on the country's best of the star of Alex versus America, the one and only ICAG Chef Alex Garnaschelli. Welcome to WGN. What an introduction, my God. Can you just live with me and go around announcing me as such everywhere I go? Of course, you deserve it. Your own personal, like, Michael Buffer. I love it. You definitely have earned that. Okay, so you're back at season two. It's happening. The show's a hit. People are loving it. But I think you mentioned it. The target is on your back. Is it great chefs from around the country get a little bit of recon? They've got some, uh, some video to go ahead and review and plan. Is there any extra pressure this time around? Or... Like you've said, I've seen some different interviews, as stressful as it is. Is this just kind of your jam? Are you more comfortable this year? No. Um, I would say the your first thought. Um, I think chefs have, that come on the show have an opportunity to actually watch some of the episodes and get a feel for the game and the arena, and that adds another advantage. So on Alex versus America, the chefs are experts that come from all over the country, and I love this kind of truly American feel to the show. But, you know, you have, you know, someone who's shucking oysters all day in Maine or someone who is cooking, you know, potatoes in Idaho all day. And when you get that kind of expertise in a particular field and they come into the arena, you know, I'm not cooking nothing but potatoes or oysters or whatever else. I'm cooking all sorts of different things. So it becomes an equation where it's my experience as a chef versus their expertise and the ingredients that they pick along the way for us to cook. So it kind of evens the playing field, but you know, I come into the arena and they're, you know, I'm getting the, I'm getting the hairy eyeball. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I kind of want to say, can someone come pick me up? I, I think I'm, I think I'm in the wrong place. Well, I mean, but it's great for the viewers though, too. And it's so brave, right? Just for the listeners out there. Is there anything you said? All right. Well, let's try to steer away from this or do you just kind of leave it up? Like you say, right? Just bring it on. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? I mean, you know, if there's canned beef or a steak, I mean, I'm hoping that they pick the steak, for example. Not that there's anything wrong with canned beef, but we want things that are a blank slate that we can cook and season ourselves. That's always the hope. And a lot of the chefs that come into the arena, they something in in the challenge resonates with them and they think it's maybe going to hinder me. And they pick that. And that's just part of the game. It's a game also. And in that way, there's an element of chance. There's an element of the unknown. The judges don't see us cook. The judges don't know who cooked what. Um, there are a lot of things that, um, you know, make it a, make it sort of a story that unfolds. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to see any of season two, but, you know, there's burned food. There's uh, cut fingers. There's, uh, you know, broken appliances. You know, it's, a little messy. <laughs> well, right. Kind of right. like real life. Well, you keep it fun. So this year, you know, added more kind of situational things. Like recently, brunch was not even a type of cuisine. It's more of a moment in time. Your thoughts on that going forward. So instead of, you know, a type of dish or a type of cuisine, maybe that situ- situational thing going forward, maybe like Thanksgiving or something fun, like crazy, you know, after bar breakfast. You know, are there any thoughts there? What do you think of that? I think there are multiple ways to approach expertise. And I think when they cast the chefs for the show, there are a few different directions. You can take um, this the, the challenge in, right? You can take it in a, a genre um, of cuisine. You know, if it focuses on a specific culture, for example, 
or it can focus, like you said, on a meal period, brunch, um, bar snacks, pre-theater dinner, right? And then you also have just ingredient-based things, right? Oh, here's a can of frog legs that have been pickled in, you know, five kinds of lime juice. So I think there are a few different sort of paths to take with regard to the challenge. And I think, um, you know, they got a, they're all in the mix. And I think that's kind of what happens when we go into our own refrigerator and we go into our own pantries and we cook them like, yep. oh, I have this can of beans I forgot about. Oh, I've got this bunch of kale I bought that's dying in my crisper drawer. And I think we're trying to pull from the home cooks experiences, the randomness that goes into a challenge hopefully mirrors the randomness that we feel in our everyday life. Yep, you never know what you're going to get hit with. Let the listeners know we're talking with Iron Chef Alex Garnaschelli, star of Alex versus America on the Food Network. So in this point, you've been in almost every situation, super accomplished. You know, French is maybe the wheelhouse. But in the open, you mentioned Michael Jordan. That's what he does. So it, do you ever find yourself doing that, maybe in the off season, taking things that maybe you know you don't want to let the cat out of the bag for your competition, but that you know you're maybe not as accomplished or, or comfortable with? And do you ever train on that? Do you ever just take a day in the restaurant and be like, all right, I'm just going to do this. I hate it. I don't normally do it, but I know it may come up. Absolutely. But by the way, good luck figuring out what's going to be in the challenges. So I could spend two days uh, perfecting quiche batter, and then we don't go anywhere near it on the show, and it's just sort of lost time. So it's hard. You know, it's not like, okay, I'm a hockey player. I'm going to go play hockey, right? I mean, I'm a chef. I can certainly practice cooking, but as far as honing in on the challenges themselves or training myself on the specifics, not really possible. Well, All I can do is dice shallots every day and hope for the best. <laughs> well, but like in season one with chocolate, that's a whole different skill set. Oh, forget it. Are you kidding me? By the way, the woman who won that chocolate challenge, she was so fantastic. She is using the money to start her own um, little pastry shop where she lives. That's an instance where I could not be happier to see a chef win the prize and take that money and that victory and that confidence from the experience and then use it to just explore something deeper about their own career. I, much as I love to win, right. competitive as I am, I love that. And I think the viewer loves that too. Well, it's so cool. See, Alex, how cool is that, right? That you are at that level in the world where if you lose, people use that every single day. It makes it on their resume. It's the biggest thing that they brag about. I mean, it's a privilege, honestly, and not one that's lost on me. Conversely, I'll let you know, if I'm, you know, this great competition chef, um, not so easy for me to lose, right? I've got a track record. I've got experience. It's sort of, you know, it's like if an actor does, a, you know, a really established actor does a movie that's kind of a clunker. Of course, it's going to happen, right? It's probability. It's math. But it's you know, it's a tough little pill to swallow sometimes. One of the greatest strengths that you have is obviously your experience in that set. As accomplished as some chefs may be in the kitchen or restaurants, do they share with you afterwards, you know, things that were challenges for them, maybe didn't have anything to do with the food, but they see that they didn't plan for, right? Maybe through that TV process throws them off. You know, we don't get a chance to share those experiences in the course of the day. But when I watch the episodes, when I watch the show, I learn a whole different side of the day and the experience that I wasn't privy to. And, and I think, you know, if I'm watching Alex versus America after being there and I'm seeing things I didn't 
I, I can only imagine that to the viewer, this has the potential to really feel like some, something exciting to watch. Oh, people are loving it. It is on the Food Network Sundays at 8 p.m. We'll have links up at WGNRadio.com for all that. Last thing out and about the entire country is open. You're getting a chance to get out. Fans, people are loving festivals and all sorts of celebrations and concerts and things like that. Talk about that, getting out and about and getting to share, you know, with friends and food and some of the flavors with the fans. I mean, I love a good picnic. You know what I'm saying? And I think that there is just such a wonderful feeling when you go out that people are just so excited to get out and 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 have experiences. Of course, I want them home Sunday nights <laughs> to watch my show, but they may then go out for the rest of the week. But I, I agree. And I think, you know, uh, in my area of the country, in New York, the weather's been pretty good, knock wood. And... I just love the feeling. Went to the beach, I went in the ocean, and I just thought, wow, you know, life is good. Yeah, people are appreciating getting out and to do that. And, of course, listeners, you heard it here that uh, Iron Chef Alex Garnicelli has given you permission to do things through the rest of the week. But, of course, on Sundays <laughs> at 8 p.m., you are obligated to be entertained in front of your television. So, Alex, we'll let you get back to it. Thanks so much for everything you're doing, all the great TV, all the great competition, all that. And thanks for jumping on the show today. Excited to have on the line one of Chicago's beloved chefs and Top Chef champion, James Beard Award winner, Iron Chef, and driving force behind some of Chicago food fans, favorite destinations with girl and the goat little goat diner duck duck goat when you get beyond chicago the list goes on the one and only chef stephanie eisard welcome to wgn Thank you. Thanks for the nice intro. It was so fun. Oh, well, come on. So <laughs> think about this, though. You know, really, this is the first, like, full summer season where people are, you know, back out for whether it's the restaurants or for festivals or food demos. I know when we talk about that, obviously, food fans are excited about it and to get out some of the events and things like that. But for you, has it been like an easy thing to get back at? Are you excited to do it? What's it like being back out and about? I mean, it's incredible. I think, you know, you walk around the West Loop, if I'm going from Girl in the Goat to Little Goat to Duck Duck Goat, walking back to Cabra, and there's just the energy everywhere is amazing. There's people everywhere enjoying, and there's all these new patios on Randolph Street that now are just additions to restaurants, which is really great. So really great vibes. People are so excited. And our teams just talk about how the guests coming in are just in really good moods and just really pumped to have a fun night out. Right. I mean, it is one of those things. Everyone is, whether it's sporting events or concerts or things, people are just excited to get back at it. When you talk about travel that people are doing in Chicago, one of America's, of course, great restaurant cities and destination. What is it like? Because I know like anybody or anytime anyone asks me like, hey, I'm going to come to Chicago. One of the first things they mention is you and your places and some of the other stuff there. Talk a little bit about that, not only being an entrepreneur, restaurateur, kind of managing your own personal, your family success, but also sort of being a global travel destination. Is there any extra pressure, right, for, that you're sort of the visitor and tourism bureau in a way, or do you figure just <laughs> keep doing what you're doing, it'll all work out? I mean, I think a little of both. You know, I, I'm super proud that our restaurants have become one of the destinations for people coming to Chicago, and I love when people... There's amazing things to see all around Chicago, whether you're going down and you want to see Navy Pier because you've never been to Chicago before or our sexual boat tour. I'm all about that every time someone comes. But venturing out into the different neighborhoods and checking out all of the restaurants is, of course, the first thing I tell people they should do. And I love when people come to the West Loop and check out our restaurants and walk around and do a little restaurant hopping. And our team is able to also talk to the guests about some of their favorite things. And when you pick the brain of a server, whatever city you're in, I highly recommend ask your server or your bartender where they go hang out, because that's how you're going to find the best sort of secret insider scoop of the city. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's a good. Well, it depends on the person you get, right? You could be at a puppet, yeah, yeah. A puppet show or something. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a petting zoo. Who knows what you'll be going to? Right, we, extra insight is really great. So, twelve years at Girl and the Goat. You got a year anniversary with Cobra Little Goat in uh, and Girl and the Goat in L.A. And so, talk about that because when you first started, you know, it takes years to put these projects together, and then the pandemic happens, especially in a place like California where the protocols were even higher than a lot of different places. What was that sort? of mental roller coaster now you can be on the other side you mentioned just going back and forth and it's successful everything's going great but what was that was it did you have to be brave did you have to talk people off the ledge did they talk you how did that go <laughs> um it was interesting timing when we opened a year ago so it's sort of just coming you know we're still not fully off the pandemic but this is the tail end where people are starting to go out a little bit more so we were opening right when things were starting to reopen and some places unfortunately not reopening and the restaurant world just in this very strange place that, you know, hasn't been before. So it, it was interesting. You know, I think people were our new team coming on. They were very excited for something new. And it kind of was giving them this sense of like a light at the end of the tunnel when we were getting ready to open. So I think that was nice. We we're all kind of going through it together. So, yeah, some of it, it's like the harder things. I think I've blocked out of memory already. Cause it's been a year and I try, you know, try to just focus on the good. And then the good things, you know, at the end of the day, we found amazing people to come on our teams out here. We brought some folks out from Chicago to make sure we bring that Chicago hospitality and just, you know, bring the goatness with us. So it's been a fun adventure. I love it. The goatness. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned yeah. <laughs> being able to get some insight, advice, maybe inspiration from people along the way. We're going to get it from you in a second. So in L.A., great reception. People are loving. Obviously, it's an awesome food town, but definitely different than Chicago. So how has that been? And what were some unique things maybe about the L.A. food scene or the people that you either had to learn or kind of figured out on the fly? I mean, honestly, I thought it was going to be so dramatically different. You know, I had chefs say to me, well, all they're going to want to eat is chicken on a goat. No, they're not going to want to eat goat belly. They're not going to want to eat duck tartare, goat liver mousse and all these things. And then when we opened, we found that some of the things like the super meat intense things and such actually sell even more out here than they do in Chicago, which is mind boggling to me. So it's been really fun to see that the, the neighborhood that we're in out here is full of adventurous eaters. LA is not as you know, the east side of L.A. is not as dramatically different as I thought it would be, which is great. And it helps us, like, now we have some uh, different types of produce out here that we haven't worked with before. It's just new challenges and new people, and it's super fun. Let the listeners know we're talking with one and only Chef Stephanie Izar. You mentioned kind of open doors, whether it's in L.A., to some new things that maybe they weren't used to or you didn't think that they were going to be planning for. But on the travel side, flavors, and you're always kind of bringing back the best. Unlike some chefs who maybe get dialed in on one concept or cuisine, they say, hey, it's perfect. You've traveled, tasted, come back with new takes on things. Talk about that discovery, because I know you do it whenever I talk with our buddy Huge, whether it's like South America or Asia. I mean, do you go in search? Is there like a mission you go in search of specific things? you just kind of go and leaving yourself open, you know, for inspiration. How does that work? A little both. You know, when we were getting ready to open Cabra, which we now have in Chicago at the top of the Hudson and at the Hudson here in LA, we went to Peru on a mission to dive in and meet different people, travel around, see the, you know, the sites we went to Machu Picchu, things like that. But more so just each day we ate six meals where we had everything <laughs> on the menu at different places or went to street marts, uh, markets or went down by in Lima, you can go down by the docks and just have someone make the BJ for you right straight out of the water. So wow. we're always on a mission to eat as much as possible. And then huge, yeah, huge Galdones comes with us and takes pictures of everything that we eat. So we have a little photo diary so we can come back and be like, oh yeah, because after two weeks of eating that much, it's hard to like always remember that first bite 
and then you see the picture and your food memories come back and you can dive into thinking about the flavors and such. It's so fun. <laughs> right. Exactly. Six meals a day. You might forget like the meal three and a half. Like what happened? I don't know. Hugh just got right, all the, right. all the stats. Okay. So when people can yeah. see it in person, either at a great food festival or a demo or out at one of the restaurants, that's definitely the best way to experience Steph Izard. But for those people that want to get even more new flares, you've gone the extra mile to create things for them in their grocery store. Now I've seen it. I've seen it at the, uh, at the Mariano's. I know I've seen it there and maybe some other places. So listeners are going to be seeing it in their grocery store. Let's talk a little bit about little goat chili crunch yeah yeah so we have a whole line of sauces spices called this little goat it's like this little goat went to so we have a sauce that's inspired by korea one inspired by hong kong tokyo different flavors sauces are all things we use in our restaurants um we have a line of spices same idea we have these things that came out last year called everything crunches because we put crunchy things on everything so there are little toppings you can put on everything and then a couple weeks ago we introduced um, our chili crunches so we have the original spicy and chili lime and it's basically a chili oil with so many layers of flavor and then little crunchy bits. And you're like, what is that? That's so crunchy. We actually take masa chips that we make, smash them up and put them inside the jar and they stay extra crispy in the oil. So you just spoon it over everything, anything that you're eating. And it's just adding this pop of fun flavor and texture. So, so the crunchies is one of the newer ones. And you, of course, the other, they're all new, right? This is all very recent. But what you've done is you've kind of taken some of those flavors that you've experienced around the world and brought it back with the, you know, sort of the trusted Stephanie Izard moniker on it. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, it's all stuff we use in the restaurant. So the items that we put into package are ones we realize that we can use on just about anything. So we might use something on a chicken dish or a beef dish in the restaurant, but we're like, that actually is good on everything from pork to vegetables to this to that. So why not just put it in a bottle so you can use it at home? So, yeah, if you open up my fridge at home, it basically is just filled with all these things. And I'm like, maybe I should cook something different. Um, it's so easy and adds so much flavor so simply. And then the chili crunches, definitely my new favorite. We use them on um, menus at Girl Nigo, at Sex at Goats. You can try it on those menus. And, and you're like, well, this is delicious. I think I'll take a jar home. And there you go. We're going to have uh, links up at WGNRadio.com for all that. We'll have some pictures of some of them, plus some of the examples of ways that it can be used. Just talking with Michael Simon, and you're going to be out there, you know, so you're not just putting it on a shelf and then just leaving there. Like Paul Newman, he rarely does anything with the salad dressing anymore, but you're out there with Michael Simon doing a ton of stuff, right? So you're going to be doing yeah. kind of promotion for it. Yeah, I'm traveling around and just um, hanging out with cool chef friends. I was just with my chef friend Shota in Seattle showcasing, and I'm going to see Michael in, um, in the Hamptons, so we'll go the Chili Crunch event there. It's fun for me and it's fun to just visit other, you know, fan bases in different cities and get out of Chicago and LA and check out the other scenes. Yeah, it's fun for them too. It's a, it's an opportunity for them to get to see one of their biggest stars, one of their favorite food personalities, and you don't come empty-handed. you got all of those great new products and flavors to share as well. Again, we'll have links up at WGNRadio.com. And Steph, as we let you go, you know, online, of course, we'll have links, but for social media, people want to catch up with your adventures, come visit in LA. You know, where can they go? Oh, just... um. Follow me at Stephanie Izard, and then you can also look at at this little goat and see lots of fun food inspiration. All right, thanks, Steph. Appreciate it. Appreciate everything you're doing for uh, for food fans and flavors everywhere. And thanks for jumping on the show today. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye.